Welcome to the High Performing Human Podcast, where we talk about how you can reach your potential as an athlete through nutrition, fitness, recovery, and everything in between. I'm your host, Hannah Boyle of Hannah RDN, and I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the High Performing Human Podcast. Uh, This week we are diving into some... Well, some information, a topic that tends to get me fired up. And yes, I apologize if you can hear it. That is a rooster in the background. I currently live on a farm. We'll deal with it. But, you know, we're featuring pretty sure pretty sure that's Milton in the background. So Milton the rooster has a feature on this week's podcast. Anyways, um I wanted to talk about needing to have more skepticism when we look at information presented to us scientifically. So this is, I mean, especially true for nutrition science because nutrition science is actually like a rather new field and by new I mean it's, you know, 100 years old. However, when we look at some of the other fields of like chemistry and biology and stuff like that, like we've been studying those types of things for a very, very long time. And nutrition science, um, exercise science, performance-based, especially when we get into performance nutrition and that kind of stuff, it's, it's definitely a newer field. So we need to be a little bit more conscious of some of the up-and-coming changes and and all that kind of stuff uh there's a little bit more i guess weight in making sure that you're up to date on the latest research because things are constantly changing um where i mean in biology we know a cell is a cell and it has all of the basic things in it um, with sports nutrition uh, performance and all that kind of stuff it's still kind of the wild west so When we talk about nutrition, um, there's a lot of different things out there. And there's a lot of different things that you can try. There's different fad diets out there. There's different trends. I think, you know, you know, every week we're bouncing between, you know, intermittent fasting and paleo and keto and doing all at the same time. And it, it can get to be a lot. And what I've heard a lot from my clients and potential clients recently is, Things are just so confusing. It's so hard to keep up with what I should be doing for nutrition. If it's going to work, what's the, you know, information behind it. So that's why what I wanted to kind of talk about today is why you should be skeptical and where the best information comes from. So... As a undergrad in exercise science and a graduate, um, having a graduate degree in dietetics, um, both science-based fields, both science degrees, we had to do a lot of work with learning how to decipher research papers, learning what different, even if we were never going to do research, we needed to learn how to read research articles because that in itself was a, I mean, you look at some of these research papers and it's like a foreign language sometimes, just the way that they talk, the different information that's available. So it was, I mean, and I'm still learning. Um, I am part of a 
uh, diploma in sports nutrition course through the International Olympic Committee right now, and that's a lot of what we're talking about. And part of kind of why I brought this topic up this week is uh, because I'm, I'm, you know, kind of in it right now. We're talking a lot about deciphering journal articles, finding good information, all that kind of stuff. So really when we look at where we should be getting our information from, peer-reviewed journal articles are really the gold standard for scientific information, aka what you're Google searching is not the gold standard for scientific information. Your Google search, the way that Google searches work is that they're going to give you the information that is, I mean, if somebody has figured out how to optimize their blog site, for example, to pop up um, with certain keywords, that's what's going to show up. Um, Certain, I mean, obviously, different websites with more authority are going to show up at the top of the list as well, but you are automatically, like, say you're searching, you heard something about keto diets, you are automatically biasing your search by searching for keto diet because it's going to show you what different websites have those keywords built in. Um, So that's just kind of something to take into consideration. And also, I mean, I'll get to this a little bit later, but a lot of what we're reading in terms of um, information on the internet is has a lot of personal bias. There may have, you know, maybe a personal blog. There may be some kind of agenda with it. So anyways, peer-reviewed journal articles really are the best way to get the best amount of information. Now, that's not saying they're perfect. Um, there are problems with scientific journals, and I wanted to take you guys through a little bit of information about that rather than you guys just taking my word for it I want to try to explain some of the issues and not that people do it on purpose like this is just like how things work in the imperfect world that we live in of scientific research Um, it's constantly evolving we're constantly getting better however some people may take that scientific research that is not necessarily complete, only maybe taking one piece of it and interpreting it how they want to, um, and that becomes an issue. So while not getting too far into it, um, I do want to just kind of bring up some of the things that cause different outcomes in studies, um, different types of misinterpretations that can happen. For the most part, if you have a good amount of studies on a subject, the major points, the major key philosophies can be agreed upon in most large research circles. However, there are different minute details that may differ. So studies can be interpreted differently based on the study design. So A lot of what I'm seeing in nutrition research is what we call epidemiological studies, and those have their own flaws, um, just the way that they're designed. 
Really what we want to do for the best evidence is experimental designs where you're actually performing an experiment on test subjects versus just collecting data and relying on their memory. That can be an issue. I mean, I'm only 26 years old and I know that I can't recall things from, shoot, what did I eat three days ago, let alone trying to give a full recall of of how I eat normally. So it's it's a little bit of that. Um, so just knowing what type of study design it is, um, different types of analysis. So when we look at statistical analysis, there is no magic number of, yes, this is absolutely correct. No, it isn't. Or yes, there's a relationship. No, there's a relation. No, there isn't a relationship. We actually use pretty arbitrary numbers to figure out what statistically significant um, or if the results are statistically significant and that doesn't always um, relate to the clinical world. So, you know, you might have something where um, these studies, you know, follow for the most part um, pretty similar standards when it comes to figuring out if something is statistically significant or not. However, when people in the field, like researchers can say, yes, like statistically, this is significant. It falls outside of this arbitrary limit that we have. And that's fine. Um, However, like if you look at it from a clinical standpoint, you're like, well, that really doesn't make sense. Or yes, we can see that it's statistically significant, but in order for there to be clinical relevance, it needs to be a little bit different or this doesn't really make sense for us to change our practices right now because while it's statistically significant it's still not enough um so there's always that side of things the difference between statistics and actual application of what we're looking at and then looking at like how the again kind of going back to study design but like how things are actually being measured like are those mechanisms reliable and valid so I know a lot of you out there, myself included, so I use BioStrap um, and I love it in terms of looking at recovery, looking at some, I don't track it as much for activity, more just for recovery, but a lot of you guys are wearing fitness wearables that track your um, activity on a daily basis, that track your Um, steps and that kind of thing and those things really aren't as accurate as they may seem or as you want them to be and so if we were to you know utilize a study that uses something that you know a measuring device like that like well we need to be careful about how we interpret those results um you know it might be the best that we have right now to use you know fitness wearables or different devices like that to measure things but they're they all have their errors And then looking at, you know, when we look at the study design and look who is tested or what type of population is tested, can that be applied to you? Can that be applied to the population in question that we're trying to relate the information to? So, for example, if I am looking at how you know, different pre-workout supplements affect male endurance athletes. Well, 
if my population that I'm looking at is female crossfitters or female weightlifters or something that's not as endurance based and the opposite sex, well, are those results applicable to my population? You kind of looking at that from a blanketed standpoint, probably not. Um, but again, it would take reading the study and diving in a little bit deeper to see what they actually tested and seeing how they tested those athletes to understand whether or not I could apply those results to my population or not. So that is another thing that needs to be taken into consideration. Um, A lot of times when you, for example, read an article on the internet that talks about, yeah, like, yeah, we're, we read through these scientific journals and, you know, they have citations and stuff for them. They don't really include, like, what the population was. They don't include, oh, yeah, by the way, this population that we tested was men over the age of 60 and we're applying it to the whole population. So that it's always important to, if you do have an understanding of, or even somewhat of an understanding, or if you're interested in scientific analysis and learning how, um, just wanting to get a deeper dive into things. If you read any type of journal article, or I'm sorry, any type of article that cites journal articles or lists journal articles as the references, I would definitely recommend that you try to get your hands on at least the abstract of those journal articles and read through them and see what information is presented there and if it does line up with what the, you know, article is claiming. Another thing to think about is when we're looking at different research, keep in mind that papers are frozen in time. Now, that's not saying that they are inaccurate. That's not saying that they are bad sources of information. But what we knew in 1990 versus 2020 is a little different. And so we just want to make sure that we recognize when the papers were published and if there is newer information available that we also take that into consideration as well. So that's a little bit about kind of just throwing out there like, hey, there is a lot more to understanding journal articles than just reading the title and being like, oh, okay, this is what it's about. No, like you have to make sure that it applies um, to the population you're working with. You want to make sure that you agree with the study design and the way that it was performed. And you want to make sure that you understand the difference between the clinical relevance and how the statistical data was presented. So then moving on to, okay, we just talked about peer-reviewed journals, but what about just information on the interwebs? Um, Mostly it is personal interpretations of those journal articles, or it is personal opinions and may have a little bit of bias based on you know, where the information is coming from. If you're just scrolling through blog posts, um, you might find yourself getting caught up into some information that isn't necessarily always backed up by science, or if it is maybe um, 
you know, you just want to be aware of what that person knows in order to make sure that you are aware, like, you know that they know what they're doing when they're interpreting the science. So just for an example, like, I mean, if you guys read my blog, you guys know that I post some pretty decent information here and there. Um, but I could post whatever I wanted to. Um, would that make my brand, would that affect my credibility? Absolutely. However, nobody's stopping me from posting a bunch of bullshit on my blog and just kind of saying whatever I want. So take that into consideration. Um, and unfortunately, I've read blog posts. I've read um, internet articles that twist the results and the data to meet a certain agenda. So I will read a article online and then go to the scientific research paper that they are referencing. And that's not what the scientific paper is like saying at all. It's it they're taking certain information out of the article reference referencing it just to have you know some kind of scientific backing but they're they're not really utilizing the full amount of information from the article so with that being said I can only imagine that you guys are like well what the hell do I do how do I get good information That's the problem with like exercise, nutrition, even some different types of like health and wellness fields right now is that people are just getting a little bit too far ahead of themselves and everybody wants to be a health professional. Everybody wants to be, everybody thinks, and this is going to go out on a limb here and I'm whatever. Everybody wants to be a personal trainer. They think if they exercise, they can be a personal trainer. They think if they eat, they can be a nutritionist. Like, like that. It's it doesn't work that way, and that's a huge pet peeve of mine because I've seen people that are underqualified try to do what I do, and not saying that I am some super awesome human, but I just know how to utilize my seven years of education. And it's a lot more in-depth than the weekend certification that some people get. Again, my opinion, whatever. Anyways, the thing is, is that good professionals are going to review research on a regular basis. So you don't have to. They're going to make sure that they are up to date on the information because Part of the issue with nutrition and health and wellness and fitness right now is there's too much information out there and everybody's trying to be a professional on the subject and that's just not the case. So that's why there are professionals like me to try to help answer your questions and lead you in the right direction. So make sure you, no matter what topic you're looking for, answers on you find a professional that has done the research who understands scientific research and how to read scientific studies so that way you can be sure that you're getting the best information possible so make sure to reach out to me if you have any questions on nutrition sports nutrition or how you can perform better using your food as fuel
Go ahead and follow me on social media. You can find me on Facebook at Hannah Boyle RDN. And you can find me on Instagram at Hannah RDN underscore. And I look forward to talking to you guys again soon.